My name is John Davis, and I'm the Executive Director out at Canterbury Retreat and Conference Center, and it's always a joy to be here at Good Shepherd um, and uh, to gather with you to worship the Lord, to hear His Word, and, and uh, this wonderful fellowship that we get to share in this morning. I'm going to start off with sort of a question, and this is going to be a little interactive if you wish. Um, first of all, does Good Shepherd have a mission statement? Yes? Anyone want to tell me what it is? What? Good. And there's two more parts to it. I, I, I got Reverend Sarah. Um, caring for the sheep, searching for the lost. That's, I, got it from, I got it from Reverend Sarah. I, I asked her, I texted her this uh, when I was working on the sermon. And, you know, mission statements are good. They're good for, for churches to have. They're good for businesses to have. And, and some of that came into the church through uh, the business community. And, and I think it's important because each church, have you ever noticed, each church is different? You know, and so there's a, a, an aspect to your calling here to be uh, a representation of Christ to this community. And it's very different to do that, say, here than in Wachula, which is basically a crossroads of a town. We have a church there named St. Anne's. And so can you imagine that the, the ministry might look very different between, you know, those two locations, and we could sort of talk about the different places and all the sort of different characteristics of communities that you find yourself in. Mission statements, in some ways, are like a signpost. And what I mean by that is it sort of gives you direction or a focus on how you are to uh, minister and what God has called you to, the specific calling that is upon a congregation. I really kind of believe that, that God gives congregations a unique calling to, to and some of it's around worship, and some of it's around healing ministry, some of it's around uh, social justice and outreach, and sometimes it's all those things, you know, on one level or another. But the thing is, at the end of the day, there's one thing that counts, and it's love. There's one thing that really is the mission, our daily mission, our moment-to-moment mission is to love. Years ago, I, I, well, I heard him speak many, many times, having been on his staff for 12 years, but John Howe, our former bishop at one of our diocesan conventions, called us to, uh, to two things, and he, made, he, he phrased it this way. He talked about the great commandment, and that's really kind of what we have in the gospel lesson today. But actually, if in right one, we said, you know, um, Jesus, we hear, hear the words of Lord Jesus saith, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's really the summary of the law, but that's, sometimes we refer to that as the great commandment. We are to love God, and we are to love each other. And uh, so great commandment, and he added that, plus the great commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples, uh, preaching the gospel and making disciples. And um, those two things, his comment was great commandment plus great commission equals a great church. And I believe that to be true. That's really when we planted Incarnation out in Oviedo, that was sort of the, the mark that we took for understanding who we were and what we were supposed to be doing there. But Jesus, in the Gospel this morning, he takes that idea of the Great Commandment and he expands it. He takes it further and defines its meaning. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Here, Jesus expresses the meaning of love. Love, you know, in our world is a, is a kind of a cheap word. Sometimes it's all tied up in emotions and things that we feel. That's what the movies teach us, what love is. But love is so much more than that. You know, I, I, we were kind of kidding around at, at the breakfast, and, you know, we were talking about different teams. In the first service, I talked about the Braves, and I do love the Braves, although it's hard right now to love the Braves. Um, but I do, and I've loved the Braves even in the worst years in the 80s, too. So, I mean, I grew up as, in Atlanta and such. But we were talking about, um, uh, Jay and I were talking about the dogs, you know, the bull, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, and I, love, I like Georgia as well. So I love these things, but you know what? I also love my wife. I don't think I mean the same thing. When I say I love the Braves and I love Beth, you know, that's a different thing. And, and part of it is our language has one word that we use for love. Uh, the Greek language has seven, four that we find in the, in the scriptures. And so love can be kind of a cheap word and needs some definition for us. Jesus' definition focuses rather on loving action, not just feelings. Loving action. And love is most displayed in his cross. His going to the cross for us. That's the caliber of love that we are to express to each other. And he says, a new commandment I give you, but it's really, it is a new commandment, but not because it's intrinsically different from the Old Testament law of love, nor because Jesus is redefining neighbor, although he does, and that's kind of significant. The newness lies rather in it being the law of the new covenant, established through his death and resurrection, proclaimed at the Last Supper. The new covenant brings new life in the Holy Spirit, which will as never before enable us to fulfill this law of love. See, we're coming up in a week or so, it'll be Pentecost, couple weeks down the road here and um, when we get to that Sunday what it is it's a celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was reserved the Holy Spirit was only for prophets priests and kings and the wonder of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all believers we heard that in the epistle or in the epistle lesson from Acts uh, you know how the Holy Spirit was given to even Gentiles unheard of It was a whole new kind of thing. And so the Holy Spirit comes and enables us, empowers us to love like Jesus loves. It's also a new commandment in terms of just the sheer depth and demand, the summons that it is to love. See, in light of the cross, all of the descriptions, all of the definitions of love pale into insignificance. Here, indeed, the hymnist Isaac Watts describes the cross when he says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. This is the norm for the Christian. This is the norm for a Christian community, for the church. Not only notice that when Jesus gives us this new commandment, he does raise the bar on our behavior. It's not love your neighbor as yourself, which if we did that, that would make the world, I think, a pretty good place. But no, he, he ups the ante and says, Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. See, Jesus' love is perfect in all of its expressions. So what does the love of Jesus look like to us? We're going to look at a few things that we could sort of put as descriptors of this love. First one I want to call our attention to is that it's a tender comfort. You know, think of the woman with the issue of blood or the Samaritan woman at the well. 
Those who Jesus encountered that were infirmed or wounded by the onslaught of sin and disease. Jesus offers comfort. And it's a comfort we can find nowhere else. A tender feeling touch reaching in and through those situations. It's the power of love manifest. Darkness is dispelled. Years ago, I was a youth minister up in the Panhandle, and uh, we had a tough year in 1988. In 1988, we lost five people, and the oldest person was uh, 45 years old. It was a tough year. All these were tragic accidents in one way or another, just completely unexpected. In June, there was a man who had grown up in the church, and he had become a missionary. He'd been with YWAM for a few years, and He'd gone on and he had gotten married and he was working in a a small little school in North Carolina, reaching out to really underprivileged folks and and caring for them. It's really, he was just an amazing man. And he and his wife had been visiting his mom, Betty, who was on staff at the church, um, visiting, he was visiting that weekend with his family in Destin and they were driving back and there was a car accident and he was killed. I think he was about 28 years old. Just a shock to you. Two months later, in August, uh, there was a young girl who was a member of the youth group. Her name was Kim Stevenson. And Kim uh, was killed in a very tragic car accident on Highway 98 in Destin. She was 15 years old. That, as the youth pastor, I, uh, the next morning I headed over, when I got the news, I headed over to the house to visit with her mom, Barbara. And I took Betty Moore with me. That was Steve's mom. And we talked a little bit on the way over there. And I'll never forget, because, you know, if you've been in those situations, the, the house is kind of crowded with a lot of activity, people bringing food and, and doing those things that you do in those moments. But I'll never forget that when Betty walked into the room, there was like a hush. And she went directly to Barbara. And she sat with Barbara like no one else could. And she mediated the very presence and comfort of Jesus to Barbara. Because she knew the pain. She knew the sorrow. She knew the loss. And she sat there and allowed Jesus just to pour himself through her to this other mother who was in great pain and shock. It was tender comfort. My mother was a nurse And uh, I watched her all my life tenderly care for us, my brother and my sister and my dad. More than that, I would get glimpses of her caring for patients that she had, some who were very ill, some who were near death. And I watched how she took some of those thankless jobs that nurses do and she did them with such care and concern and paid attention to those details and really allowed, I watched her love people like Jesus loves. She sacrificed herself in that moment. And it was a picture that stayed with me, and as I was sort of thinking about this tender comfort, I thought about my mom and and all that she did, what I watched her do through the years. See, our call is to be a a conduit for God's love. That tender comfort, not only do we receive it when we need it, but it is to flow through us to one another into the world. Mother Teresa prays a prayer that I love, and I think it has a direct application in this moment. 
She prays, Dearest Lord, may I see you today and every day in the person who is sick, and whilst nursing them, minister unto you. Though you hide yourself behind the unattractive disguise of the irritable, the exacting, the unreasonable, may I still recognize you and say, Jesus, my patient, how sweet it is to serve you. See, it's taking that kind of attitude in our relationships with one another and and caring for one another. That's the call. So there's tender comfort as one descriptor we can talk about in terms of the love of Jesus, but another one would be the covenant love of God to us. The constant covenant love of God who's always faithful to His promises. The Hebrew word describing God's mercy is the word hesed. And it's translated lots of ways. Loving kindness, um, comfort, mercy, compassion. One of my favorite ones is the steadfast love. The hesed of the Lord. It's the great covenant word of the Old Testament spelling out God's commitment to be merciful to His people. Deuteronomy, we hear this. Know the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant love, His hesed, to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commands. Deuteronomy, that's in Deuteronomy 7.9. This word also describes the nature of God's mercy and its kindness as well as its constancy. Hear this. It is a word combining the warmth of God's fellowship with the security of God's faithfulness. The warmth of God's fellowship with the security of His faithfulness. It's an abiding love. It's a love that we can't get away from. God loves us. Jesus loves us with His life. And He says we're to love one another in that same way. We're to be constant. We're to be warm. Inviting to people. This is the word the prophets have in mind as they reflect on God's promises, reviewing His constant mercy, the steadfast love that God has shown to Israel. In Micah we hear these words, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgression? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Hesed. You have compassion on us. You tread our, our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You show hesed, mercy, to Abraham. See that constant, that steadfast love. That's probably one of my favorite uh, passages. It comes from Lamentations chapter 3, and, and it, it's this passage that you know, has a wonderful hymn built upon it, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But it's that steadfast love. It says uh, in 321, it says of Lamentations, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I was, uh, grew up in the 70s and 80s, as a, and I was leading worship in churches from the time when I was a teenager. And back in those days, we did a lot of what we called scripture songs. And those were songs that were really taken straight out of the scriptures, and, and you would take those verses without really changing words at all. And, uh, and put music to them. And so a lot of times when I hear those verses, those verses from Lamentation, I do think of great is thy faithfulness, but I also think of this one. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 
They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. This I call to mind, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Boy, don't we need to remember that? As we walk out day by day, moment by moment, the things that we have to do, when we feel lost, when we feel alone, when we feel empty, the steadfast, this I call to mind, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So not only is there tender comfort, not only is there this covenant love of God, but to know Jesus' love, to know what it is, we have to look at it as passionate actions. Think how Jesus lived his life. Now, I love reading the gospel. Sometimes when I do, it's really just from person to person to person. And we see Jesus as he goes to Zacchaeus' house and he welcomes back a person who had been an outcast. So we could say the same thing of the Samaritan woman. We could talk about how he makes the journey to heal Jairus' daughter, really to raise her from the dead. There's another story in Luke where we find that he uh, runs across the widow, a woman who's called the widow of Nain who has lost her husband and now she's lost her son. He's being carried out in a burial procession and Jesus in that moment raises him back to life. See, passionate action. And that's because actions speak and communicate the love of God. Now I can, talk, I can do the theology. I can study words and, and figure out things and look at principles and concepts. And that's good. We need that. But what we need most of all is to see love in this world and let the church be a a conduit of that love in the world it takes actions something that's become a a favorite movie of late and it's been been out for several years but I catch it on cable and I've got the DVD and a few weeks ago I was watching it and it's called The Blind Side and it's become this wonderful story of a family that finds this young man who is homeless and has a broken life in so many ways, and basically the whole movie is them loving him and caring for him. And his life is changed. Whenever I watch, there are at least a few moments. I think the first time I saw it, I was weeping throughout. But there are at least a few moments whenever I see it, when when there's a a scene that happens that just touches my heart, and it's like, I just start, my, my eyes water up. I can say this that that movie preaches the gospel of Jesus better than any and all of the sermons that I've ever preached combined. Because it tells a story of redemption. This young man who is lost and broken is redeemed by the very love of God poured out through a family. See, that's the way the world has changed. By loving people. Sometimes just one person at a time. See, love is doing, and it will cost you. And loving like Jesus could very very well cost you everything. Time doesn't allow, but we could talk about kindness and mercy and compassion. We could talk about sacrifice and forgiveness and generosity and all these aspects of what love is. I will say this, that this idea is worthy of all of our study, all of our time, all of our pursuit, To model our lives on this one thing would be a life well spent. You know, being the executive director at Canterbury, I have the privilege to be a part of a ministry that in one way, at the very foundation, basically 
We just want to love people who come on the Canterbury campus. We do that. We feed them, and we feed them well. And that's just a loving thing to do. We give them comfort. We, we put them up. We're, we have this ministry of hospitality. That's what Canterbury is. And my hope and prayer for uh, everyone who comes on the campus is that they would know and experience the love of God. That Canterbury, in a sense, would mediate, be a conduit. And that happens through the staff and through the grounds. I think God has set that ground apart for that purpose. But he's also, through the people that he's called to serve in that place, it's God's love pouring through us. And it's an amazing thing to see. And people respond to it. They respond to kindness and compassion and mercy. They respond to spirit-filled hospitality. Finally, we can't get away from this. Jesus ends this part where he says uh, that they're going to know that you're my disciples. They're going to know that you belong to me because of the love you have for one another. See, this love is an evangelistic power. A loving community, says Jesus, is the visible, authentic gospel in the world. Francis Schaeffer, the well-known theologian and scholar, writes, he says, love is the final apologetic. That is, love is the defense and argument for the gospel of Jesus. You know, there are other associations. You might belong to things, other clubs, other things that you're a part of, associations, business, fraternities, sororities, those kinds of things. That, and they gather around a common cause, maybe some goals that they want to do, some good things. Those are good things. But the church is marked by one thing, the love of Jesus. It is designated as a community which welcomes and loves all people, irrespective of any baggage that they might carry. And just to let you know, we all carry baggage. To love like Jesus is to love inclusively and indiscriminately and universally. When that kind of love flows through a congregation, the world will take note. They'll look at a congregation that is loving in that way and they'll say, those people have been with Jesus. I love it. And when we think about in Acts and we're hearing so much of the Kerygma, as we call it, the essential sort of preaching of the gospel in our Acts lessons in this season of Easter. And I love one way to look at what happens on Pentecost is, you know, they get up and God has done this remarkable thing of pouring out His Spirit, and the people give the altar call. What do we have to do to have this? What must we do to be saved? See, when people see authentic love, the love of God. They want it. They want it with all that they are. And our job is to share it. I think back to the early church and its witness. What's amazing sort of thing is if you read Roman historians who were not Christians, when they're, they're sort of you know, doing a history, telling, writing their histories, and they'll say, there's this group of Christians and they're amazing people because of the love that they have. They did something that was uncommon in the first century. They cared for widows and orphans. They cared for the poor, for the sick and the infirmed. The church became this place where people were loved. So much so that people noticed. So, what is the mission? Today and every day the mission is to love. That's what we're called to do. 
And what happens here at Good Shepherd, whether it's in the worship, whether it's in the formation classes and and the things, the Bible studies, whether it's in the outreaches, whether it's in the food bank, whether it's in the breakfast every week, all those kinds of things. What happens in that moment when we gather together as the church in this place is that the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us to love. That's why we come here. By sharing in the ministry of the Word and the ministry of the sacrament, we are renewed and refreshed so that when we go out those doors, we can be the loving people that God has called us to be. Because we can't do it on our own. I know. I've got to have the Holy Spirit to work that in my heart, in my life. We all need that. I can say this. We don't have to wait. It starts right here, right now, in this space. Front to back, side to side, men and women, boys and girls, young and old. Let us love one another as Jesus has loved us. Godly affection, care, and concern. This is the way that the kingdom comes. This is the way that the world has changed. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, let this be a day of Pentecost for us. Let every day be a day of Pentecost where you pour out your Spirit upon your people and empower them to love as you have loved. Lord, show us. Give us opportunity. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hands to touch those places where people are in need of your love. What's true about you and the way that you love, make it true about your church. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen.